Nehemiah chapter 11. The princes of the people lived in Jerusalem, and the rest of the people cast lots to bring one of ten to dwell in Jerusalem, the holy city, and nine parts in the other cities. The people blessed all the men who willingly offered themselves to dwell in Jerusalem. Now, these are the chiefs of the province who lived in Jerusalem, but in the cities of Judah everyone lived in his possession in their cities. Israel, the priests, the Levites, the temple servants, and the children of Solomon's servants. Some of the children of Judah and of the children of Benjamin lived in Jerusalem. Of the children of Judah, Adthaiah, the son of Uzziah, the son of Zechariah, the son of Amariah, the son of Shephathiah, the son of Mahalel, of the children of Perez, and Messiah, the son of Barak, the son of Col, Jose, the son of Hazaiah, the son of Adiah, the son of Joyarib, the son of Zechariah, the son of Shilonite. All the sons of Perez who lived in Jerusalem were 468 valiant men. These are the sons of Benjamin, Salu, the son of Meshullam, the son of Joed, the son of Pediah, the son of Kaleah, the son of Messiah, the son of Ithiel, the son of Jeshaiah. After him, Gabai, Salai, 928. Joel, the son of Zikri, was their overseer, and Judah, the son of Hassanua, was second over the city. Of the priests, Judea the son of Joyarib, Jachin, Saraiah the son of Hilkiah, the son of Meshullam, the son of Zadok, the son of Merioth, the son of Ahitab, the ruler of God's house, and their brothers, who did the work of the house, 822, and Adiah, the son of Jeroam, the son of Peleah, the son of Amzi, the son of Zechariah, the son of Peshur, the son of Malkijah, and his brothers, Chiefs of fathers' households, 242. And Amashai, the son of Azarel, the son of Azai, the son of Meshillamoth, the son of Emea, and their brothers, mighty men of valor, 128. And their overseer was Zabdiel, the son of Hagadolam. Of the Levites, Shemaiah, the son of Hashab, the son of Azrakam, the son of Hashabiah, the son of Buni. And Shabbatai and Josabad, of the chiefs of the Levites, who had the oversight of the outward business of God's house, and Mataniah, the son of Micah, the son of Zabdi, the son of Asaph, who was the chief to begin the thanksgiving in prayer, and Bakbukbiah, the second among his brothers, and Abda, the son of Shamuah, the son of Galal, the son of Jeduthun, all the Levites in the holy city were 284. Moreover, the gatekeepers, Achab, Talman, and their brothers, who kept watch at the gates were 172. The residue of Israel of the priests, the Levites, were in all the cities of Judah, everyone in his inheritance. But the temple servants lived in Ophel, and Zia and Gishpah were over the temple servants. The overseer also of the Levites at Jerusalem was Uzi, the son of Bani, the son of Hashabiah, the son of Mataniah, the son of Micah, of the sons of Asaph, the singers, over the business of God's house. For there was a commandment from the king concerning them, and a settled provision for the singers as every day required. Pethathiah, the son of Meshezabel, of the children of Zerah, the son of Judah, was at the king's hand in all matters concerning the people. As for the villagers, with their fields, some of the children of Judah lived in Kiriath Arba and its towns, in Dibon and its towns, in Jacabzeel and its villages, in Jeshua, in Moladar, Beth Pelet, Hazur Shual in Beersheba and its towns, in Ziklag, in Makona, in its towns, in En Ramon, in Zora, in Jarmuth, Zenoa, Adullam, and their villages, Lashish and its fields, and Azekah and its towns. 
So they encamped from Beersheba to the valley of Hinnom. The children of Benjamin also lived from Geba on toward at Michmash and Asia and at Bethel and its towns, at Anatoth, Nob, Ananiah, Hazor, Ramah, Gitaim, Hadid, Zeboim, Nabalat, Lod, and Ono, the valley of craftsmen. Of the Levites, certain divisions of Judah settled in Benjamin's territory. All right, interesting chapter. <laughs> so uh, the type of one you probably won't think much more about after this video, but um, bucket load of names of people that lived in what towns and, and, and people of Levites who lived in this town and doesn't seem highly relevant to our lives, I can tell you. And, uh, but there are, there are interesting things in there. They, at the start of the chapter, they cast lots so that one in 10 would come to live in Jerusalem. So all the people that came back from Persia, and uh, we know in the book of Nehemiah uh, of Ezra that 49,000 people came back in that first, first uh, you know, group that came back, and then there were subsequent groups of people that came back. So we didn't have the huge numbers of people like in the Exodus, but there are people that have come back, and a lot of them, they did not live in Jerusalem. They just lived out in the fields. They, were, they farmed, they had animals. So, and Jerusalem, of course, wasn't even rebuilt when they first came back. They started working on the temple in the book of Ezra. The foundation got laid, but no one was living around it. They were living in their farms and fields. Eventually, the, uh, the city is being rebuilt with Ezra's help. And also then Nehemiah comes along and the wall is being rebuilt. And here, they realize they need people in the city. So they have a lot casting ceremony. And uh, one in every 10 people has to come and live in the city. <laughs> You know what that suggests to me? It, it suggests that people didn't want to. And it says that they blessed those who willingly came to live in the city. And um, there's various, you know, theories about why people didn't want to live in Jerusalem. But I, the obvious theory, or to me the most likely one, is the, the idea that people have got their land. You know, they're growing crops and they've got their animals. And it's a source of income for them. But when you come to live in a city... You don't have the land. You don't have your animals. You don't have that source of income. You've got to find some other way of living. So it's a change. It's it's not just a change of scenery. It's a whole change of lifestyle. Um, you've got to find some other way of supporting yourself. So it's fine if you're a Levite or a priest or something, and you're getting your income from the temple. But a lot of these people weren't that. So they they had a big change in life. So yeah, it's a bigger deal than what you would imagine. And then the chapter goes on to describe all the various different groups. And it listed some of the ones that were living in Jerusalem and it says they were valiant men. And so part of their role was, of course, a defense force for the city. They were there, they were valiant men, they were mighty fighters, and their job was to keep Jerusalem safe. So, and of course, then through the chapter, there's all this uh, talk about uh, the people that are going to be serving in the temple, the Levites, the priests. If, if you went right back to the end of 2 Samuel, there's a, a number of chapters where David, King David, sets up the temple that wasn't even built yet. So the temple hadn't even been built yet by Solomon, but he organized the, the priests on a roster on 24 courses of priests that would come and take their turn. He organized the gatekeepers. He organized the singers, the guards, all the different all the different roles that were needed for the temple. He organized them all. He even wrote a lot of the Psalms. So David set all of this up way back in 2 Samuel. And here what we're seeing with all of this is basically these things being reinstated here for this temple again. So things are getting back to how they were. 
Now, I wanted to say um, that the book of Nehemiah is really, the whole book, all 13 chapters, is broken into three sections. All the way up to around about chapter eight or nine is, is the, is it chapter eight? Chapter seven. All the way up to chapter seven is the story of the rebuilding of the wall, which is the interesting, I think the most interesting part. The next little section, the next three chapters is what is um, what I call the revival. Um, commentators had uh, other terms for this middle section. They called it the renewal of the renewal of spiritual fervor, or they had names for it like that. And the last section, Nehemiah 11, 12, and 13, what we're starting right now, is the organizing of the temple and the community going forward. So the first step is, you know, rebuilding what was lost. The second step is renewing the work. And then the third step is the plan to keep it going in the way forward. And uh, so the book is in these three sections. In your spiritual life, it's the same thing. The first thing that happens is you get saved. And that's like the rebuilding of the walls. It's like the process where something good comes about. The second step is the revival, which is the process of you coming to know the Lord, love the Lord, everything's fresh, you know, and uh, it's exciting. But the third step is organizing going forward. So if you're going to keep walking with the Lord, you know, it's fine that you've become saved. It's fine that you've come to know the love of Christ, but now you need to walk in it going forward. It's not just enough. It's not like, uh, you know, in the Boy Scouts where you do your, you spend a day hiking a mountain and now you've got your hiker's badge done and you never have to hike again, although you probably would. You know, and I, I was in a club, a group like that the Salvation Army run called the Boys Legion, and we would go do stuff. I earned my conservation badge. <laughs> conservation has changed a lot since I was a kid. And uh, back then it was, you know, picking up rubbish. So um, you earned your badges, but then you were done. You never did that again. You did your knot tying badge, done. Well, it's not like that with the Lord. You don't get saved. You don't say, oh, well, now I'm loved. Now I'm a Christian. Now I've been baptized, done. No, <laughs> you've got to put in place a, a way of thinking or a way of living so that you will walk with him for the rest of your life. And that's what this third section of Nehemiah is all about. So, um, and that's what true repentance is. True repentance uh, as a believer, it's putting something in place where you make a change and then now you're doing something differently. You don't do it legalistically. That was the danger that they fell into in the last chapter was they were trying to do things legalistically. No, you do it with your heart. You say, um, you know, I love so-and-so, my, my wife so much that I'm going to do, this is what I want to do. And so you decide you're going to make changes for the sake of the people that matter to you. And when it comes to the Lord, we say, you know what? I love the Lord. I want to know more about him. So I'm going to read my Bible. You don't make a rule that locks you in and then robs you of joy. No, you do it because you love. And so therefore, these things will keep you in place. So Lord, I want to thank you for this chapter, even though it was full of complicated names, but I thank you for the three steps, Lord, and I ask that you would help us to walk with you, to put things in place, that we might be like you and continue in Jesus' name. Amen.